Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Happy New Year, Night fans. It is 2020. Here's to seeing clearly this season about uh, about whatever happens in uh, UCF sports. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy with you here. Um, as uh, well, we don't have that big of a show to go with you here. You know, it's a holiday. We got the bowl games on. Um, I'm enjoying the last of some holiday pumpkin pie while we're here. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we're here to talk a little hoops. We'll actually preview some baseball and we'll talk about some all decade team nominations that we uh, have started rolling out here step by step. Boys, how is the new year? Uh, Eric, I'll start with you. That's a new decade. So I dumped out a lot of the leftovers from the last decade. That's what I've done. So I feel good. It's a, it's a new start, a new era. That's what I'm excited Clean, about. Cleaned out the fridge. The way to start, way to start that off. That's, right. uh, that, That's right. how, about, how about you, Brian? Was the food in the fridge for the entire decade? <laughs> yeah, you got some. <laughs> some of the, don't tell me you got any more. chicken wings from to... 2011 in there. <laughs> some of them uh, were, maybe. <laughs> I'm great. I'm well rested because I did not stay up till midnight. Uh, I'm I'm in the hashtag of uh, hash. I'm in the group of hashtag New Year's Eve is just another day. So uh, I, I got well rested, and then woke up early and got to the citrus. Got to see the uh, yeah. Live with Eric. Lopez Day. Way to get a head start. I actually got a head start on my New Year's resolution um, on New Year's Eve. It, it, uh, prior to um, watching the ball drop, actually, I actually watched uh, Star Wars Episode Eight. Um, Don't ruin um, it. No, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but I'm catching up on the Star Wars movies. Uh, as you guys know, I am notoriously bad when it comes to movies. I have literally never seen any movies. Um, yeah. Don't talk about movies, or else we have to go on like a thirty-minute tangent about everything. I know. Well, uh, well, y- you guys can go ahead and do that because I have. I, I don't. I just don't watch movies, and so, um, yeah. I mean, I, I still have yet to watch episodes two and three. Um, I I, I got through set. I got through seven and eight. I, I was I was pleasantly surprised. It was, it was pretty good. You know, I'm enjoying the story so far. What is your like movie genre wheelhouse? Like if you movie had movie genre pick, like, if I had to pick a genre, I, I'm into biopics. Um, if you ask me what my favorite movie is, it's the right stuff. Hmm. Um. But did you see like uh, did you see Rocket Man this year, the Elton John biopic? I did not. I want to see that. I got to see the Queen one too. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen that one, and then and then, but you know, because of course, like like journalism movies. First of all, I think all sports movies are terrible because they never get the sports right, and it drives me nuts. And I'm like, I agree with, I, I agree with that. I know. I I, I just oh. Murph, you and you and I and Eric, we need to open up a sports movie consultancy, and you know, have them send us scripts, and and we look at scripts, and and we say, nope, that doesn't happen in real life. Nope, stop doing that. Nope. No, it, players don't lose eyes on the field. Stop it. Um, the good, the good sports movies are the sports movies that don't focus on the sports, like Moneyball, yes. which is more about people and and something. Like Moneyball was good. Moneyball was really good. I, 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 I that was a very good sports movie. Um, that was yeah. technically not about sports. It was about, I don't know, but it wasn't that about sports. Anyway, all right, um, we got lots to talk about. Let's start with the. We'll, we'll hit the movies later. Let's talk about basketball. Uh, boy, that was a bad. Yeah, there ending. you see. Yeah, that not a lot of a lot of money was uh, hopefully spent on the, the basketball game. Yeah, that was uh, that was threat. that was a very that was a pretty good movie with a bad ending. Uh, 62-58 yeah, the final. 
on uh, on New Year's Eve. UCF loses their conference opener to Temple. Let's let's not sleep on Temple. They're nine and three. Um, pretty good, pretty good uh, team under a first-year head coach. Uh, Fran Dunphy's gone. Um, but I mean, they were uh, favored in the game, right, Murph? Yeah. I mean, they were favored going. Up. Well, it was slight. They were one-point favorite on the road. Well, here's I mean, still you know, favorite on the road. I mean, that's that that count that should count for something. But uh, Eric, you wrote the recap, uh, and we have it up right. on blackandgoldbanneret.com, and you brought up a uh, very good point that UCF was up. By seven with five forty-six to play, and scored two points the rest of the way, and uh, and <laughs> that was rough. And there were a number of uh, factors that contributed to that, namely Colin Smith's foul trouble. Colin was in and out of the game nineteen minutes, four of nine from the field. Uh, uh, Dre Fuller did have a very good game. You were right about that, six of nine from the field. 14 points, but they just couldn't close out. And uh, and Eric, I'll start with you. Um, do you feel like this could be a recurring theme this season? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, you could argue this is the second consecutive game. They haven't closed the game out well uh, offensively. Mm-hmm. And, you know, me and Murph were there, obviously, at the game. And, look, it was a weird game because you looked at the box score and there was a lot of things that, you know, that UCF was doing well. They were shooting over 50% in the first half, uh, you know, in the game offensively. They seemed to lead most of the way, but yet, you know, they were turning the ball over. They, they, I mean, they held Temple to about 37% from the field, so I thought defensively they were good. And then that final five-minute stretch, uh, honestly, the most expe- the more experienced team took over, and that's Temple. They have players that have been through these battles before. They've been through this situation before, and I think that kind of showed itself. UCF, all those players haven't been in this situation except for maybe Colin where they've been in a game, then a tight game in a conference, and who's going to be the guy that finishes the play or creates the play or closes the game out? You know, we've been spoiled. We've had B.J. Taylor do that for four years, basically, and you had Aubrey as an option last year. And I think, Murph, right now, UCF doesn't know who that is or if they have that guy right now. Well, I think that guy, and Johnny Dawkins said this after the game, that guy for UCF is Colin Smith. However... He, you know, late in that game, they try to go to him in the post, and uh, he turns it over. Uh, and, and he's basically was entire non-factor for half the game because once again he gets into foul trouble. And this has been a, a recurring theme for him uh, of picking up fouls early and going to the bench. And UCF was able to obviously withstand that in this game, and they've been able to withstand it, you know, early, you know, in, in non-conference games, but. You need your best player on the floor, you know. Thank, you know, if I may be so obvious, uh, and he, and he needs to do a better job of, you know, guarding without fouling. It really hurt, uh, I think, the team to be, be to be without him, even though they would still being without him. Uh, and then late again, he just, you know, I think defensively they crowded him. They left it up to UCF's wings, and frankly, no one did anything. I mean, we're talking about a five-minute, forty-six-second stretch of zero field goals, five turnovers two points um, and just really sloppy play. And yeah, uh, yeah, I think it does come down to, you know, Quentin Rose, your your senior star player for Temple scores the last six points of the game. He did not have a good game offensively, but you know, when it's in crunch time, he comes through UCF is looking for that guy to make a big shot late. And if it's not Colin, then I really have no idea who it was Uh, for those wondering. uh, No, Johnny Dawkins was not, 
not a big fan of that last shot by Cesar de Jesus uh, coming off a screen uh, for a game-tying three that that did not hit any part of the rim. Uh, it's not what he drew up, and uh, but it just goes to show, you know, he's these last two games offensively, the defense has been fine. You know, holding teams to 53 and 60, 62 points, that's that's fine. But offensively, man, the struggles are the struggle is real and it is consistent now. And uh, and it it, it it gets harder. I mean, now they're facing next up. They they have possibly the hardest task of their entire season so far. Well, here's here's the number that I looked at that really scared the hell out of me. Dazon Ingram attempted one field goal in 36 minutes. You know, nine mm-hmm. rebounds and, and three assists. Um, but a guy with his gifts, um, when your best player, like you said, Colin Smith, when your alpha dog is in trouble, Dazon as a senior needs to be the guy who kind of steps up. And we've seen him shoulder some of the scoring load on occasion, but only one shot attempt in 36 minutes? I'm sorry, man. You got to take. You got to. That that's the guy who, in that situation, needs to take the ball to the hole, and create, and and either get some open shots for people or get to the line late in games. And uh, and that was surprising to me, Murph. We've seen him be aggressive too. Like we've yeah. seen him be aggressive with the ball, driving. However, this is not this is not like the first time he's kind of vanished offensively. I think he has. I think four games with either with fewer four with few, with four or fewer field goal attempts uh, this season, and I mean in all those games he played uh, at least twenty minutes. So sometimes he can, he just doesn't maybe he's not authoritative enough offensively. I wonder if that's something we'll see change because yeah they need they need some injection of offense here because if it's not Colin, uh, you're really relying on on three point shooters to be on their game, and that's a risky way to live from game to game. You need you know, guys to score within 15 feet. I thought Dre Fuller was their second best option because of what he was doing without the ball. He was moving really well without the ball uh, on all three levels and getting himself open for good shots. But he really disappeared in the second half. And again, he's only he's only a freshman, a redshirt freshman, so you don't want to put too much pressure on him. But yeah, Dazon as a senior uh, who has shown that he can score in the paint and, and you know and score um, you know in the tough areas of the court. Yeah, he's got to do more. And I wonder if that's something we'll see against Houston. Well, that's that takes us to what we're going to talk about next, which is uh, which is this upcoming Texas road trip. Uh, at Houston on Friday at 7 on ESPN2. Uh, at SMU Wednesday at 8 on ESPN3. Uh, quick check of the uh, American standings for hoops while I pull that up. But... Um, uh, right now, SMU is ten and two, and uh, Cincinnati, or excuse me, Houston's ten and three. So, um, those not are two easy. teams no, that are off the, that... off the hot start. Yeah. So, so this is this is going to be a real challenge. And you talked about before on the show, guys, about how you get through these first four games at two and two. I think you got to be pretty happy. Well, you're zero one, and you blew that first game. So you needed that. Well, yeah. well, hold on. Let me. I know this is not an. Uh, this will not. This will be the first unpopular opinion of 2020, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you I, heard it here. <laughs> I, I, I know this is very unpopular to do on these type of shows, but I'm going to give Temple credit. It's not like they're. I mean, this, this is. They have players that were in the NCAA tournament team. They're not a slouch. I don't think this is. I. You know, it's funny. Like, you know, I was at the Michigan Alabama game, and I'm in the. Fi- I'm on. I'm on the field in the pregame, and I have two media guys come up to me. And say, what the heck was that yesterday with UCF? 
blankety blank. And then the first thing I had to do is correct him and say, no, I'm not Brian. I'm sorry. He's upstairs in the press box. <laughs> ask if you. So, but that's, you know, I, I was surprised at how people just flipped out. Look, it's a frustrating loss because you're right. It's a tough stretch here, but I'm sorry. And, and, and Murph, I mean, with I, I know that Colin Smith, technically that's who they think is their go-to guy, but I got to tell you, I don't think that's going to work because I think opponents are going to gear up to stop Colin Smith down the stretch. And they're going to – they'll double him if they have to or whatever they got to do, kind of what Temple did. I mean, Colin had some opportunities late, lost the ball. There was no fouls called. I mean, which is a whole other – the officiating was, well, interesting. But I, I think for UCF to be successful in the final four minutes, it's going to have to be somebody else in the perimeter because I think defenses are going to try to take away Colin down the stretch. And again, like maybe, maybe like we said, maybe that stays on Ingram, or, right. or maybe that's maybe that's Trey Fuller who played, who right. keeps showing us glimpses, but we, we don't know yet. I will say yes. I mean, I, I gave Temple credit in my story about like teaching UCF a lesson of how to win conference yeah. games because yeah. they don't know how to do it, and Temple does. Temple's got four guys in their starting lineup who are entering their third year playing together. Meanwhile, UCF is is using you know seven to eight guys per game that had never played here or never played a conference game before, Bingo. much less played together. So I mean, that's that, I mean obviously that's a big factor in this game. This is a team that does not know how to win conference games yet, and you can and and Giant Dawkins also left the door open to the possibility that that his team was pressing down the stretch and 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 yep. kind of you know putting too much pressure on themselves to find that guy. And and score the and score that bucket, you know. And meanwhile, Temple just lets the game come to come to them. Quentin Rose, right. does, Quentin Rose does not, you know, drop his head. He lets the game come to him. He ends up basically winning the game and carrying the Owls to a victory because that's what senior leaders do. UCF is, is we've said it all year. UCF is going to find their way throughout the season. It's going to take a while to mesh all together. And while they should have won this game, this probably won't be the last time we have a game like this. Uh, right, we're going to have a similar conversation on down the road, but that's college basketball in this era now. I mean, and, and Jeff, I'll give you credit. I remember right after, I, I don't remember, I don't think it was right after the game, but I think we did the show that week when UCF lost to Duke last year mm -hmm. in the NCAA tournament, and we recapped the game, and I thought you made a great point, and you said Duke, has, you know, as talented as they are, they haven't been in that situation in an NCAA tournament game. They haven't played college basketball longer than a year Whereas UCF, they you know they had guys that have been playing college hoops three or four yeah. years, and there's senior leadership. Something to be said for that. There's those intent. Yep. They've been there, done that in close games, and I think that's one of the reasons why UCF was neck and neck with Duke. And I think that's what happened here. And you can't coach it. You can't speed it up. Uh, this is a process that UCF has to go through. I, I look. I thought Drake Fuller was the best player on the court for a majority of that game, and I'm excited about his upside. And maybe by maybe as the year goes on, as he develops, maybe he becomes the go-to guy. But he's not ready for that yet. I think this team has to learn. And unfortunately, it, we're going to have to probably go through some lumps before we get kind of breakthrough. Yeah. And, and, and I think back to – you know what I think back to, Eric? And, and Brian, I'm interested to know about this. But I think back to that game at Houston last year where yep. yeah. uh, that, that was a close game on the road – you know, it was Houston's coming out party, and and UCF's idea of that was pff, we don't care, and uh, and that was a that was a big turning point game. And now here we are a year later, and UCF is going to Houston again this time early in the season in January. 
how's this going to turn out? You know what I mean? Go ahead, Murph. You were going to say, I'm sorry. All right. I mean, this is going to be so this is going to get so confusing because of the arguments we've presented. And now I kind of want to rein them back in a little bit because I think we are getting carried away with the experience storyline here. Uh, UCF did not beat Houston because they were the more experienced team. Houston was also a very experienced team with like guys like Cor- like uh, uh, Armani Brooks and Corey Davis. Uh, they, they had seniors as well. Like it, It's not like they were a young team. And also in the NCAA tournament, freshman teams have won titles. Freshman teams have gone to the Final Four, beating more experienced teams along the way. Oh, no, 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 no. I agree with you, Murray. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying that, that, that you need seniors. What I'm saying is, though, that the reason why UCF was able to hang with Duke is they had guys that weren't afraid of the mo- – you know, they weren't afraid. They were seniors. They played college basketball. I do think there's something to that where you've been around the block and all of a sudden you're Duke, you're playing in the second round. It's like, whoa, what's going on here? We're in a tight situation. What are we doing? We're usually blowing teams out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we're not usually tested in a one-point game in the second round of the tournament. Uh, things and, and I agree, same thing in the Houston game. Having guys that have been on the road, I think, helped them get through this year. Uh, the majority of these this current roster – has not played in meaningful situations other than Colin Smith and maybe DeJesus where, hey, there's four minutes left here, guys. we got to get a bucket on this possession right now to kill this momentum. Uh, they don't have that, and and we're in a really good league, and Temple has had those players, and Houston has players like that as well, as we'll get through that. But uh, that's all we're saying. We're not saying it's a guarantee if you have experience to win, although if you look at the recent national championship winners in the NCAA experience has been a factor a la virginia others like that but yes jeffrey <laughs> well I, I i'm not going to further defend my own my own hypothesis there uh i i just you know it, it, it's you know if you've it, it's a it's a typical catch-22 you you can't learn if you haven't been there and if you haven't been there you can't learn so um, I don't know. This this week could be a really rough stretch, but you never know. You might catch Houston or SMU on a bad night. You know, those things also happen. And if you can snag one of these two and then come back home and, and play well, well against look, Cincinnati, who's dealing right. with their own issues right now, you know, you might catch them on a on a on a on a bad well, night and, too. And the good news and the good news is is I wrote on the recap on black and go Go check it out right now. This defense will give them chances to win games. They're going to keep them in games. They're going to give them chances to win a lot of in the conference games. Uh, yeah. I think they're going to keep them in games. It's going to come down to can this team figure out who they are down the stretch in fourth quarter, you know. And it doesn't have to be one guy. They might just figure out, hey, this guy can hit, you know, certain shots, execute better. Whatever you want to say, they just got to figure out who they were because, Murph, I think we can all agree on this. I don't think UCF had any – I don't think those players on the court knew exactly what to do as far as – should I take over right now, or yeah. is he going to take over? Or and then and then wait, like who's wait, are you over? sure you want? Yeah, yeah, there was a little bit of that. Like, oh, oh, God, you want me to take the shot? No, 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 no. You take it. This is your. Ch- no, 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 no. I yeah, but the, yeah. It was like, it was it was like Danger Mouse. It was like you know, no, no, after you. No, 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 after you. It, it was that's what was a little frightening. And there was no and no guy stood there and was like, give me the damn ball. Okay, you know that that's that's what. We haven't seen just yet. Not saying it can't happen, and I'm not saying that, right. Colin, that 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 guy can't be Colin Smith, for example, or Dazon Ingram or whoever. But someone's going to have to be that person, and that and if they do that, and that person comes through, that's a big, huge confidence builder going forward. But I don't know. We'll see. Murph, you heading out to Texas? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no. He's sticking around. He's going to watch Adam Amin and uh, Bryce Drew. 
calling the game for ESPN2 in Houston on a weird, on a random Friday night, rare Friday night uh, game on the deuce there. So uh, that'll be a fun broadcast take it. with Adam, who was in town on Wednesday uh, calling the uh, Citrus Bowl on the ESPN radio. So the guy, the guy doesn't, he just moves around from game to game, man. It's a machine. It's good stuff, man. And then that SMU game. All right, real quick, Murph, you think they get out of there with a split or what? No. I mean, no. I mean, not – I mean, I don't know. Well, they certainly – I would say they're not winning at Houston. Not after Houston has had more than a week to prepare, really, after beating a top 25 team in Washington with a lot – with maybe – with at least one lottery pick in Jaden McDaniels and possibly two or three draft picks on their team. So, now this Houston team is really, 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 really good. And I'm sure Kelvin Sampson will still say before the game – don't forget what happened last time we played these guys in our building. Even though these guys aren't the same guys, it doesn't matter. This, the jersey's the same. That's what matters. He'll, he'll remind them of that and get them motivated. And then playing at SMU, possibly, that's another, that's another, that's another game where I think it's, it's evenly matched. But I, I really – That's their best we, shot, right? I, that's their best shot. If they want to get a split realistically, honestly, their best shot oh, is yeah. SMU. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I, I, the spread the spread isn't out for the Houston game, but I would imagine it's probably like Houston minus 10. That's my that's my general guess. Uh, but, yeah, and in the SMU game, it's about, you know, who can – well, it's going to be a close game probably because they're evenly matched. So who can create down the stretch? I don't know. We'll find out. The UCF just a, it's a spinning wheel. We'll see where it lands. Are you going with a journey reference there? Wheel in the sky? Anyway. Let's well, speaking of by the way, the bigger the bigger the bigger Betty question, Murph, is not where what the spread is for UCF Houston. You know the spread. And we only get to sadly, we only get to do this once this year, unless they play in the tournament, because Houston will not come here. So unfortunately we can't even do this in person. But you know the the real bet line that we want to know. Over under, over under 30 seconds he takes off the jacket. I wanted to get to this. <laughs> and then over under that Calvin Sampson gets the tie off. Over under four minutes. The jacket is – I'm going to make it 45 seconds for the jacket. I feel, you know what? When, we, when they played Houston, I feel like the ja- the tie, the jacket comes off almost right away. The jacket comes off within like the first two possessions. It's every time. But Calvin's tie – I remember the game in Houston – it felt like it stayed on to like the under four timeout of the first half. Like it really, really had a, a long life. So I would take certainly. I, I think the jacket's off within a minute at max. Uh, but I'm gonna give the tie because it may not be a, a very tense first half. I'll give the tie until like the under four. You know, closer to halftime. That tie is gonna la- that tie's gonna live a while. I'm going to go over on both because I don't think this game's going to be much of a problem for Houston. I think I, – I, I really think that they're ready to, to take it to us. Um, wow. Yeah. I, th- I think that the SMU game is the one that, that, that we're going to have to see what we're made of here. But uh, anyway, just to go back over it one more time. Friday, 7 p.m., ESPN2, UCF at Houston. Wednesday, 8 p.m., UCF at SMU on ESPN3. Both of those games, of course, uh, will be on the radio as well, so you can listen to them and watch them uh, wherever you get your ESPN um, content. Real quick, I wanted to talk about women's basketball because they just finished up their uh, non-conference slate against uh, Central Michigan uh, with a 64-58 victory over the Chippewas on Monday. 
The Knights start their conference season Sunday, January 5th at noon against ECU. That game will be on CBS Sports Network. Um, some word on that game against uh, Central Michigan. It kind of played out just like your typical UCF um, basketball game where the middle two quarters, a nice just kind of take over, especially on the defensive side. Um, UCF forced 24 turnovers uh, in this game, uh, and 15 of them were steals, by the way. Uh, leading scorer for the Knights was uh, KK Wright with 20. She had uh, she also had five assists and two steals. 12 for Brittany Smith, who's really coming into her own right now. She her post game, especially offensively, has dramatically improved. And uh, 10 points for Siani Martin, who uh, who came off the bench uh, and uh, and put up a good 27 minutes out there. So. Uh, Siani's actually become a really good scoring threat in the backcourt um, as well. 12 rebounds for Masani Kava to go with 8 points and 4 blocks. She was dominant on the interior. But things got a little squirrely in the fourth quarter thanks to Michaela Kelly of uh, Central Michigan who finished 9 of 19 and hit 6 threes, 26 points. But then she fouled out and that gave UCF the breather they needed to kind of hold on here. And uh, with ECU coming up, you know, it, it's uh, this should be a pretty straightforward start to the conference season for uh, UCF. ECU's not very good, three and ten on the yeah, season. Yeah, you can't afford you, you you cannot afford to lose this game. The good news is UCF has moved up all the way up to fifty-seven on the latest RPI with this winning streak. Yeah. Uh, the bad news One is four in a row. Carolina, right? East Carolina's at two twenty-five. <laughs> Do not lose this game, please. I'm yeah. begging you. You Just take care. Yeah, take care of business, especially because yeah. after this game, you've got Cincinnati, South Florida, uh, UConn, and South Florida, uh, which is you know be going to be your tough one of the tougher parts of the schedule. So, and I remember Jeff. I think when you said it. I think it was either last week or the two weeks ago in the episode. The goal you had, and I agree with. Can you get to ten and four overall going into that UConn game? That's, yeah. You know, well, that would be huge. By the way, Cincinnati, uh, remember remember when uh, Gino Auriemma went nuts over them firing their previous coach who was a former player of his? Yeah, Cincinnati, Cincinnati's turned out just fine. They're 9 and 4 on this on the start yeah, to the season. And they're, had, in the had, they're, they're in the 120 RPI. True, but had an above uh, above expectations year last year and that team is they're a buzzsaw, well, man. A they coach. they play tough it's and a she's a good coach, coach but... so um, so it wasn't like the, it wasn't like the program was go, was you know going completely downhill in that case, but uh, nonetheless, UCF against uh, against ECU to start the uh, don't conference lose Sunday, play. please. Yeah, please. don't do it, guys. Noon do on Sunday, uh, January give the fifth. Jeremy 5th. Brenner, a, don't make give Jeremy Brenner a positive uh, you know recap. Yeah. He can write. And then they got a week off before that trip out to Cincinnati, and that game's on ESPN too. The ECU game is on uh, CBS Sports Network, but the c- game at Cincinnati on the twelfth right, is on ESPN too. So our women's basketball program is alternative programming to NFL playoffs, my friend. Huh? Hey, hey it's not bad being second. I'll be popping up the picture in picture. Let's do this, man. All right. I thought you were doing PA. That's right. I am doing PA. What am I saying? Anyway, so I'll be there for that. So. <laughs> I'm glad we reminded you of that. Yeah. When thanks. Jeff said when Jeff says he'll be popping up picture in picture, he means he'll be calling PA while having the NFL while game having the playoff game up on the laptop. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. So, uh, which I may or may not have done in the past, by the way. Anyway, hope Steve Robertson's not listening to this. Anyway, uh, let's take a break. When we return, oh my God, Murph, baseball news. 
<laughs> that and more when we return. It's the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy. Follow us on UC- at UCF underscore Banneret on uh, Twitter, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret, and of course, Black and Gold Banneret.com. We are SB Nation's home for your UCF nights, and that means we get to talk about conference baseball, baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the, uh, the American the American hid their preseason release. Uh, they put it out on Monday, December thirtieth. Their their twenty twenty uh, preseason baseball call. About. We're not, that's the perfect uh, time. As, <laughs> as yeah, as selected by the coaches, uh, UCF was picked fifth in the league. Uh, ECU was picked first with six first place votes. Houston picked second with three. Uh, followed by UConn, Tulane, and then the Knights. USF was picked seventh. Wichita State in last. Preseason player of the year is Alec Burleson, the junior from ECU. Uh, Jake Kusmanner from uh, ECU is also the preseason pitcher of the year. The Knights did have one preseason all-conference team member, outfielder Dalton Wingo, who um, is one of the few guys returning from last year's team. Uh, but he's a preseason all-conference. So uh, Murph... I give you the floor. Jeff? I, I give you the floor on this. Uh, we got some. We got some baseball information. What do we do with it? Well, since UCF, I mean, doesn't every team have to have someone? On, I think every team has to have someone on the preseason uh, all-conference team, right? Like yeah. it would be wrong. Like it would be wrong. Well, if there was nobody, right? Well, there was one UConn player. So I mean, I figure like in a year like this, you know, if there's one team, if there's one time that someone, you know. Someone's not going to be in there. Does Memphis have a player? UConn. Does Memphis have a player? Well, yeah, Memphis a has Hunter, Hunter Goodman, the catcher, and well-deserved by the And also uh, and, Alec Trail of the shortstop, or third baseman, I should yeah. say. Yeah, every team has – every team – well, wait, no, USF? Does USF yeah, – Oh, USF do. does not have its player. Demer, right, there you go. go. Okay. I, I, I retract my previous statement. Okay, so, so – This good isn't the MLB video. All-Star game, Murph. <laughs> right. No, I, then I feel good now because it's not like they're just giving it to Wingo because they need to fill out that space. They gave it to Wingo because he deserved it. And really, if you're looking for a guy on UCF's team, a team with basically two returning hitters who had consistent playing time last year, two, and a pitching staff that looks good in the back end but has a lot of injury uh, concerns and return returning guys, you're not sure what you're going to get out of them in the front at the starting rotation – uh, Dalton Wingo is a pretty obvious choice. I mean, a guy who, uh, frankly, looked lost as a freshman, uh, swung at everything, missed often, uh, then comes back and realizes that uh, his eyesight is screwed up. And lo and behold, he goes to the goggles, or glasses, whatever, specialized glasses. Rex and, uh, and, uh And it has a breakout season. Almost it's, almost it's 300. He uh, drives in 44. He had that massive game. I believe it was against FAU, uh, the la- the last uh, before the last season, yeah, before the uh, last regular season series of the of the season, uh, uh, UCF played at FAU and Dalton Wingo had three home runs and six RBIs against the Owls, and um, he really was uh, for long stretches their best player, and as a, and that was as a sophomore. So now as a junior, he's really one. He really is the leader, and he knows he's the leader on this team. He talked about that since last year about being leader on this team. Um, so, you know what? Obviously, he's a good pick. It is weird to me. 
and I don't know if I put any stock in this, and I shouldn't because preseason polls are complete trash. But uh, <laughs> every single one of them, every single one of them, do not care. Uh, but even ones that come out on December thirtieth, they're all awful. Yes, even the one, even the ones that the American Conference flicks out their door before shutting it quickly. Like, 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 like here's my question, by the way. Here, here's my question on this. Because obviously the baseball coaches vote on this. When did they vote on this? Like, the season doesn't start for another month. Like, you're, you're telling me they got together and voted on this, like, in early December? Like, we couldn't No, really no, they, they, this they, they this went out to the SIDs and, and, like, you know, every, and the SIDs, I'm sure, were like, all right, let's fill it out and. You know what? Let's get it in before the new year. Why not? You know, hey, coach, I mean, you got you got anybody you want to t- you want to play up in the preseason poll? Nah, just go ahead and send it in. All right, done. <laughs> they, they couldn't have possibly been more low key about this. Um, but so UCF's ranked fifth, and uh, I mean, if we want to talk about that having any value at all, it's an interesting ranking considering all of the question marks and all of the unknowns that this team has. And I don't know if that tells me more about the strength of the conference. That a team that like UCF that again has two returning consistent hitters uh, and a lot of injury question marks with the pitching staff is in the middle of the pack of this conference. Maybe that's a bit concerning. However, I retort that by kind of saying maybe the people that vote on this don't really know what these teams are made of. So we're just sort of putting numbers in a hat, putting ECU one, and everyone else sort of shakes out the way it is, and we'll see how it plays out. I'll tell you what I'm excited for, Murph. I'll tell you what I'm excited for. Wichita State head coach Eric Wedge. Oh, yeah, that's true. Former Seattle Mariner manager. And the Indians. Uh, and the Indians. <clears throat> I don't know why I don't remember him as a Mariner. Uh, by the way, those <laughs> who are interested, for those who are interested, UCF baseball practice opens uh, January 6th. That's Monday. I have no idea that's open to the public. It's probably not, but I'm kind of psyched. I might be like peering through like the the, the fences of John Juliano Park just to catch a glimpse. <laughs> just to I can see Love Lady in the hat, like looking up there, and be like, Murph, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> I tell you, like, oh man, Coach, Jeez, I'm just, Louise, I'm just here for the sound of the ping. That's all I want. It's 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 already been a cold winter. And yes, the hot stove has been hot over in the pros, but we haven't had anything good on there for uh, the last couple of weeks, Eric. What are you talking about? Hello? Hello? You're missing the Twins' big acquisitions, monster acquisitions that's going to make them a World Series contender, acquiring Rich, assigning Rich Hill and Homer Bailey? That's not hot enough for you? Eric, Eric told me about the Homer Bailey and Rich Hill signings as we were driving to the UCF basketball game. Uh, a couple of days ago, and I almost crashed my car because that—that's. <laughs> you really almost did. I was really at that point. I'm like, yeah, we're not going to make it to the next decade. I was really. Anyway, anyway, I'm psyched for baseball. I have no idea what to do with any preseason poll ever because they're just well, junk. Let me, let, me, let me ask you real quick on this: Could the fifth place be a sign of the sta- of the coaches having respect for uh, and, and you know for Coach Lovelady and saying, "You'll figure it out," right? Like. You know, he was picked near the bottom his first year, and they won the league. I mean, maybe that maybe could we take that as a sign that people are gonna they're giving him the benefit of doubt, or maybe they don't give it to other coaches. Maybe so. Yeah, I agree. And also, if things break right with like Joe Sheridan and and Trevor Holloway and, and the starter and the starters they could have along, and and their bullpen looks pretty deep as is. 
this pitching staff could be really, really good. Like they could really silence a lot of offenses in this conference. It's the offense itself uh, that I just have no idea. I mean, we, we've got Wingo, so he's in there. But even like Ben McCabe, who is really the, the other guy who played a lot last year, who's back, uh, Lovelady did not give him glowing, you know, uh, glowing praises coming out of uh, fall ball. He wanted to see more out of him. So I think every spot in that lineup is wide open uh, going into practice, except for maybe Wingo, and that's it. Well, we will find out on the 6th, won't we, Murph? By the way, we uh, this is now eight and a half minutes worth of baseball talk, which is about, I would say, about three, <laughs> th- about five minutes longer than I think you were anticipating, Brian. So I mean, once the train keeps it, once the train starts rolling, once the I train's coming down I knew it would happen. I knew it would happen. All right. So, Reminder, folks, talking baseball with Murph exclusively here on the Black and Gold Banner throughout the spring. You're home for you. That's right. Because no one else is doing this. <laughs> Valentine's Day, by the way, as a reminder, is the uh, is the season opener. Friday, February 14th, 6 p.m. Something that is more love than baseball, right, Murph? Six weeks away. I'm. By, by the way, guys, I mean, it happens all it happens all the time, so I don't know why I'm so hyped about it and geeked about it this year. That's like coinciding directly with so many pitchers and catchers reporting in the pros for Arizona and Florida spring training leagues. I mean, we're so close. We're so close <laughs> to real baseball. Oh, my heart. Be still. You know what's even closer? The NFL playoffs. And uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about... All right, so the, the NFL playoffs are set. Um, and... Uh, Eric, you brought up a good a good little thing that we can talk about right here right now is uh, UCF players who have a shot at a Super Bowl. Um, let's see. So let's take a look at uh, the UCF alumni uh, right now. It, it, it begins and ends basically with the New Orleans Saints, right? You have Latavius Murray. You have Traquan Smith. They're the best chance. Is that right? Yes, I do. I think it's the best it's the best team, obviously. Latavius kind of taking the Mark Ingram spot uh, in that running back field and Traquan and receivers. Murph, you saw them in person this year. You saw them in New Orleans when they beat Carolina. Mm-hmm. What was your impression? I mean, is this – I mean, you, you have the Saints. And it's funny, the, all the UCF guys, I don't know what it is. It's just coincidence or not. They're all in the NFC, it seems like, your best shot. Because you got Seattle with Shaquille Griffin and Shaquille Griffin. They're going to be playing this weekend in Philadelphia. Uh, so, you know, the fact they lost the Niners game there and now have to go on the road probably hurts their chances the most. You got the Vikings also on the road against the Saints. You could have, guys, this is the one, you, this is what I'm rooting for this weekend, okay? I want Mike Hughes covering Traquan Smith at some point in that game. Oh, that would be fun. Huh? Huh? That would be fun. Mike Wouldn't that be Smith? fun? I mean, sure. I mean, that would be some good there. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, UCF is going to get one of the UCF players are going to get eliminated in that football game between the Vikings and the Saints. Uh, there, Murph, and you're confident that uh, it will not be the Saints. No, I think the Saints are the best team in the NFC. They are my pick to make it to the Super Bowl out of the NFC and uh, probably face. Uh, I, I would say, you know what? I'm going to say it's Chiefs Saints. I'm going to go with the Chiefs upsetting the Ravens in the AFC title game. We have any? Uh, we don't have any Ravens out there, obviously. Um, let's not forget Jordan Aikens on the Houston Texans too. That's um, correct. So yeah, and ten and six, and you know, I mean, he's out there. I mean, that's something that we'll have to keep an eye on too. They should beat the Bills. They should beat the Bills. You're right. 
Yeah. Um, guy, Sorry, we James. Need to, well, well, well. How about how about Devin if, if Singletary? Jeremy by the way, for the. Uh, show, by the way, by the way, if Jeremy Brenner was on this show, he says nothing is a certain with the Houston Texans. So yeah, it's guaranteed. Well, especially when uh, Buffalo's uh, chief running back out there is Devin Singletary, who's had a great rookie year. The kid from uh, FAU, who was coached by Kevin Smith, um, down That's there at good. FAU. So, um, so that'll be that'll be an interesting matchup. We talked about the NFC. Not much really to say there, other than uh, other than Seattle and Minnesota and New Orleans. So, um, and uh, nobody on the Niners, from what I from what I understand. But, um, but yeah, so we do have, um, you know, nonetheless, there's there's your UCF alumni that you're gonna have to be watching for here in the NFL uh, playoffs coming up. That would be a fu- that would be fun seeing Traquan matched up with Mike Hughes. Boy, that would be a throwback to some uh, 2017 uh, practices, I'm sure. No. Absolutely yeah. right. I mean, I'm like head to head on the during the undefeated season. Give me some of that, man. I can't wait. That's by the way. Good. Here's the here's the list. UCF players that have won a Super Bowl. All right, DJ okay. Killings was on the Eagles. I think practice squad when they won the Super Bowl against the Patriots a couple yep. of years ago. He got a ring. Ja, ja Reed was with the Ravens. Uh, was inactive. He was hurt, but he was on the roster when they beat the 49ers up in New Orleans, ironically enough, in the Super Bowl. Uh, probably the most famous with Josh Sitton, Atari Bigby, and Mike Greco, who's on the practice squad for the Packers when they beat the Steelers in February 6, 2011 edition of the Super Bowl. Uh, and one that is kind to both of your hearts here, Darcy Johnson, who mm-hmm. was inactive and injured, but was on the roster when the Giants knocked down and take down those ugly, undefeated Patriots back That's right. in 08. Uh-huh. He was a contributor. Can't say he wasn't Denying a contributor. Us. And thanks to Asante Samuel for dropping that interception in that Super Bowl, which is okay because he's already got multiple rings from the Patriots during his run with New England. So I still I still uh, say that was a tough catch, but anyway. Fair enough. You'll appreciate that. <laughs> Other notables, Cornell Charles Lee were on the Buccaneers roster when they beat the Raiders in the Super Bowl in San Diego. Mike Grudoria. The center for the Rams when they beat the Titans. I think he was the uh, first one to win a Super Bowl, right? He was, but he wasn't the first no. UCF player to. No, he wasn't the first UCF player to win a Super Bowl. No, Ted Wilson played on the Redskins when they beat the Broncos. Oh wow, that was way back, eighty-seven. Way back, baby. That was the yeah. that was the strike year. I know that yeah. uh, Sean Jefferson was on the San Diego Chargers yeah. uh, when they lost to the Niners in ninety-five. So. Now, Grudadori is the first player to play in the Super Bowl because Ted Wilson did not play in the game. Uh, Grudadori did. So that's your uh, little trivia there. Okay. All right. Wait. Wait. How could Grudadori be the first one to play when Sean Jefferson was playing for the Chargers before that? No, win and win. I'm saying Oh, win. and win. Okay. Okay. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. My bad. My apologies. All right. Uh, all right. So there's your NFL playoff update. And according uh, to Murph, we're going to be adding to that list. We're adding to that list if, if Murph's prediction that's right. prognosis is correct. I hope well. Pretty good chance with the Saints this year, I think, but better than better than usual. So, it's a good NFL playoffs this year, I think. As long as it's not the Patriots, we're cool with it. Let's take out the (laughs) Patriots as soon as possible and send Tom Brady out to the Chargers. All right, let's go. It's a good NFL playoffs aside from the representative of the NFC. Can we take a TL right there? Can we can we get like a thirty second like aside here? Eric Lopez is on the record now saying that Tom Brady is going to the Chargers and is not <laughs> stuttering about it. What are you oh. on? Seems very confident. That seemed a little overly confident, Eric. 
you seen him play this year? You guys benched him in the fantasy championship against me, which I appreciated very much. But nonetheless, you benched him for, for good reason. He hasn't been that great. And you really, I mean, he's, his contract's up. He's a free agent. Murphy, you think he just resigns? We should have known better than to trust uh, Kirk Cousins in a primetime game, Murph. Never again. Oh. Yeah, yeah, because that because that really means something. I'm so sick of that name. It's dumb. Absolute <laughs> stupid idiot. Um, uh, no, there's no. I mean, if, if Tom Brady is not playing for another team in his NFL career, do you think he's back with the Patriots? Or do you think he retires? No, he's back with the Patriots. He will not retire. At what price? You think he takes a discount? I don't think New England's going to overpay him. I don't know what discount. I mean, the the prices for NFL quarterbacks are through the roof. I think Mike Glennon's still getting paid. <laughs> By the bear. <laughs> Mike Clement. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Those are the days. All right. All right. Jeff, where, where do you fall on this, Jeff? You're the tiebreaker. Brady Tom Brady. We will never see Tom Brady play in a uniform other than the New England Patriots. I think he comes back. All right. We'll see what happens. <clears throat> yeah, I think, I, think he, I think he comes back. Let, let me ask you this. When's, when's uh, – Jimmy Garoppolo's contract up. Oh no, he just signed that big contract, didn't he? Yeah, he signed a big deal. He ain't. Yeah, he's not gonna be available for a while. All right. Well, uh, although he might be, because let's be honest, he ain't. He's not the reason why that team's successful. I mean, really, Jimmy's okay. He's wow! Fine. Wow! Murph wow. just dropping. Woo! Jimmy G's a fine. Jimmy G is like he's a fine little quarterback. He's not the reason why the Niners He's are a handsome are, gentleman. Getting a twenty. All right, so so twenty uh, twenty eighteen February of twenty eighteen, he signed a five year, one hundred thirty seven million dollar contract. So he's got he's got three years left. I bet you I bet you the Patriots try and snag him up in free agent. Brady plays three more years, gets to forty five, they get they get Garoppolo back, and the and the and That's the world's and the worst dynasty ever continues. Anyway. Um, all right, no more NFL talk, please. We're making people angry. Uh, coming up next, when we return, we'll talk about the, our first two all-decade teams getting released. We released our all-decade football team, and uh, we had some debate up on uh, on social media about this, Eric Lopez, which is exactly what you were hoping for. Stick around. We'll be right back. It's the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you here, and we got some... Uh, well, let's talk a little hashtag content, shall we, boys? Um, you may have noticed last week we released our all-decade UCF football and volleyball teams. We're going to be adding to these teams as we go by. But um, uh, I want to start with volleyball first because it's shorter. <laughs> and you got um, a lot of heat for it, man. You no, I did, not, I did not get a lot of heat on it. Oh, that was the other one. Right, no, that right. was the other one we got, we got a little bit of heat for. But... Uh, uh, Jordan Pingle, Meredith Murphy are the liberos. Uh, middle blockers, Delayna Sardin, Lauren Corey, and Kaylee's Green. Outside hitters, McKenna Melville, Kia Bright, Jayla Hervey. Setters, Aaron Olson, Rachel Vuxen, and Marie Rita Rova. And right sides, Anne Marie Watson, Abby Fleener, and Allie Sable. Um, no real arguments there, but I was like, wow, we got, we, man, Todd Dashnick pulled in a lot of talent this, this decade. Because <laughs> I, I put up, you know, all the key stats for some of these players, and <clears throat> excuse me, you have the uh, first, the, you know, your two liberos are number one and two all-time career digs. You've got two, um, two of the top five career assist people, um, two of the top seven uh, 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 um, 
uh, in kills all time and one who's going to be up there uh, in a couple years in Melville. So, um, yeah, so I mean, we got a lot of a lot of talent at UCF over time. So, um, well, let me, let so that was fun quick, to check out. Quick questions because you picked that out and did a great job. All right. I don't, I, the hard, what was the hardest part as you were going through this? Was, was there a specific position that was the toughest because it just had so much more depth than another position? What was the, t- the biggest challenge as you were going through this? Oh, um, I wanted to pick only two setters, uh, but I couldn't. I picked three. Uh, and then the other one was, um, I mean, there's some, there's some clear delineations, but... Um, you know, we had some good middle blockers over time, but I, I, I thought that, you know, it, it kind of, the more I thought about it, the more it kind of shook itself out. And, uh, you know, we had, um, the, 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 the outside hitters were the ones that had the, 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 the it was kind of a layup. You know, we had McKenna, Melville, Kia Bright, and Jail Hervey. They're, they're three of the best hitters that I've, I think I've ever seen. Um, obviously, you know, the, the, you try and, you try and shuffle things, some things around and try and fit in the people who, who you really believe are um, are are the ones who are uh, who are most you know, you know most deserving out of everybody, um, but uh, but yeah, I, I think we got it right. I think we got it right. So last question: uh, Who, in your opinion, is the volleyball player of the decade? Who and you know who are the candidates would be in that scenario uh, for those that are curious? Because I think that's going to be fun as we go through this process. With uh, all the sports, not only like we create these teams, but who was the signature player or the best player of the decade for a lot of these programs? I think it's going to be a fun debate. I think it comes down to three players. Uh, I think it's Jordan Pingle, Delana Sarden, and McKenna Melville. Um, and, uh, you know, right now, if I had to choose between the three of them, it's really hard to do. Um because it's not a slight towards anyone that I don't pick, but I, would, I think I'd have to go with Delena. She's a three-time All-American, uh, and the only three-time All-American UCF's had. Um, not to say that others shouldn't have been deserving of that. Uh, and you know, we might see McKenna Melville. She's already won two All, been named ABCA All-American honorable mention twice uh, in two years, and, and I wouldn't be surprised to see her do it all four years, um, which is very hard to do. Uh, I did find this interesting uh, This interesting little tidbit here with Eric. So UCF's all-time leader in kills is uh, Renata Menchikova with 2,151 in four years. All right? McKenna Melville, through two years, has 1,076. So if you do the math, if McKenna Melville duplicates her first two years in her second two years... She will end up beating out Renata Menchikova for the all-time kills lead at UCF by exactly one kill. That would be impressive too, because this is now uh, you know didn't uh, and then this era compared to that era is a little different from a scoring standpoint, right? Like, Much different. You know, back then you had more opportunities for kills because you can only get points via the serve. Right now you get points for, on each on each you know each serve. Doesn't matter uh, each each side of the ball. Right, rally score. We have rally scoring now. Is what you're yep. talking about, as opposed yep. to back in the day when we had uh, side out scoring. Wow. So, um, so yeah, that would be impressive in and of itself. And she also has, by the way, she also has 805 digs for her career, which if you duplicate that, uh, 1600 digs would also put her top ten in that category. So, um, yeah, easily top ten. I think probably top five. 
So, um, so yeah, yeah. McKenna Mill was on her way to a really amazing career at UCF, um, and uh, and and we're in a we're in a high point right now for UCF volleyball. So that should be a lot. Yeah, of fun she has a right. chance to be the best player of all time. But Sardin gets the odd yep. the nod as far as the decade with he's being the three time All American and leading him to the 2014 conference title, and then. Pingle's probably the best defensive player, right? Just because the defense, being a libero, she's the best like I ever saw. Best I ever saw, yeah, and exactly. never got the recognition yeah. that she should have. That was that was the part. Like she should have been a three-time All-American, but wasn't. Yes. Yeah, that, that's the part that that makes me upset about that. Is that she she for some reason never got enough credit, um, and that's too and, and and that's too bad. But we're trying to give her some some more credit here on this team. So uh, that takes us to our football All-Decade team, Murph. You had some input on this, Eric. You had some input yeah. on this. Um, we uh, so first of all, you can. I'm not going to read the whole team out to you. Um, just some notables. Clicks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we want the clicks. Make sure you take a look at it uh, on blackandgoldbanneret.com. We did pick. We did do two teams. We did a first team and a second team. Uh, we picked Mackenzie Milton as the quarterback on the first team. Blake Bortles as the quarterback on the second team. Um, there were some debates here and there. I'll pull a few of them up from Twitter. Um, first things first, Mike Hughes being the second team corner, Eric Lopez, you had the heaviest hand in uh, choosing this. Um, what'd you say? What what was your reasoning behind that? Well, I I think, well, let me, let me rephrase that question. Let me rephrase that question. Is the reason why you picked Mike Hughes as a second-team corner, not a first-team corner, because he only played one year? I mean, that played a role in it. Yes, only a one year. Uh, but let's remember, and I, you know, we get caught sometimes in recency bias. You remember what the most recent thing happened. And let's be honest, there's been a percentage of our audience that has hopped on UCF football three years ago, so they may not know players that played this decade. I will let you all know, uh, this might surprise some. We actually had great players the entire decade. I know it's a shocking development, but we actually have had great players throughout the decade. This, this just didn't happen the last three years. Um, and, and one of them being Jacoby Glenn, who I think has kind of been forgotten because he left early controversially because uh, it didn't really bode well for him for the draft, although he worked out because he played for the Bears in the NFL. Jacoby Glenn had not uh, was a defensive player of the year in 2014, so he definitely should have been the first-team corner. And then Josh Robinson, I would argue, was Mike Hughes before Mike Hughes, except he was there for three years, uh, had a great career, had 10 interceptions, 176 tackles, was an All-American himself, and he was here for three years. Uh, you know, so to me, while Mike Hughes was great and he got, you know, people were bringing up, well, he was a first-round draft, but that doesn't matter in this discussion. It's not about who gets drafted higher. It's who's the best players of the decade in UCF. And Josh Robinson, who – did a phenomenal job in the Liberty Bowl against A.J. Green and, and was a part of the reason why they won that game against Georgia, absolutely is warranted of being on the first-team corner. Uh, cornerback, by far the way, was by far the hardest position uh, to yeah. narrow it down, by far. I mean, we have so much depth in the secondary that we left out great players. A.J. Bouye didn't even – I mean, couldn't even cut the list despite his great career, but he wasn't a, he was only a second team all conference player once in his career here at UCF has blossomed him to being a better NFL player, quite honestly. Right. Yeah. I think uh, that, that part honest. is actually for, is actually forgotten is that AJ, when he was here, he was, 
he was good. He wasn't great. And then right. he went to right. and then he went to the NFL and he's really blossomed into a in, into a very yeah. good player. And, like if we would have bet ten years ago, uh, or let you know, who are you more likely to bet will have a better NFL career, Josh Robinson or AJ Bouye? We would have said Josh Robinson, uh, but it turned out to be AJ. Um, and credit to him on that. But he didn't make it. I know we got some people say, well, what about Shaquille Griffin? Uh, well. He was, he was never another guy who got lost in the shuffle, too. Right. He got lost in the shuffle, but he never made all-conference. And again, he's not better than Jacoby Glenn, not better than Josh Robinson, not better than Mike Hughes, uh, who we have, as you mentioned, a second team uh, there, or Neville Clark, Murph, who has been part of the most successful era of UCF football, and he's been a big part of that in the cornerback position. He's been a two-time all-conference player. Murph, did you have any objections? Really, really not many ardent ones, the ones that I had with much conviction. I thought this was a really, really well done list uh, on both so- on both teams. Uh, I brought up, when we were dis- discussing it, I brought up Neville Clark just because nothing, I mean, yes, he has started a lot of games, played a lot, he played a lot of games for this university uh, at corner, but nothing really stuck out to me, I, I, you know, you know, as far as like his impact you know, uh, for, uh, you know, nothing. There's nothing that jumps out at you about Navelle and his play, and, and like, there's there's no moment that I think Navelle has had. There you go, like that's that's the Navelle Clark moment that really makes you remember, uh, I, you know, what he's done for the university. But I think he gets on this list and and probably well deserved, just due to the longevity and, and starting as many games as he did. He did make I think two uh, uh, all conference lists. Um, so yeah, that's fine. It, it, but Eric's right. There is. Just so many good players that UCF has been blessed with this this past decade, and that is uh, that is so true in the back end of the defensive backfield, and that is continuing into 2020, which sort of foreshadows what I'll talk about here later on in the show. Um, oh, wow! Geez. All right, geez. there was one uh, one person said, "Hey, why not Justin Tukes at tight end over?" Um, over Adam Nisley, for example. Um, You're pulling. We, we, I mean, that's a fair argument. You could go either way. There's not a, a bad answer. I think we went with Nestle. Tukes, by, Tukes by the way, only had 30 career catches. Um, Adam had 38. Uh, how many touchdowns right, they both were honoree. Had, I think they both were all honoree uh, yeah. at one point during their careers. I don't know Tukes, what the Tukes had three. Was. Tukes had three touchdowns. Nisley had two for his career. I mean that one was kind of a toss up. We went with Nisley, but uh, you know, I, I you know, based partly on a little That's bit better. more production. But that that was when your tight ends were blocking tight ends under O'Leary. So yes, um, correct. So, yeah, I would agree with that. One person was like, "Why didn't you have JJ Warden on the first team as a wide receiver?" I'm like, "Because we had Gabriel Davis and Traquan Smith on the first team. That's why." Um, and you you were you were very uh, you liked that Murph, right? You had no you definitely had no issues with Gab. Uh, Gabe getting there. I mean, his numbers are very comparable to Traquan, uh, who I thought is the best. I think is the best receiver in this decade. But uh, Gabe definitely's in that list, and I agree. I think he's a better all-around receiver than JJ. Absolutely, there's yeah. no argument as to who the starting two receivers are. And uh, I wanted to pour one out real quick for our boy uh, Chris Martin, who um, we wanted to get him in there. We couldn't find like any. You know, we were looking for a place to put him. Like we basically had one more tackle and one less guard. So we decided to put Chris as the right guard on the second team. And he actually tweeted it out. He was like, 
He's like, wait a minute, man. I played tight end. I played defensive line. I played offensive. I played offensive tackle. And he's like, and you and you guys stick me in guard, and I, and I tweeted him back. I was like, ah, what's one more? And he sent me back a gif. He was like, that's right. <laughs> so, well, and I think that's very appropriate, right? Because look at how that shows how versatile he was, right? He's one of those guys you can move him around if you need to to help your team out. And I, I I'm glad we had him on. Offensive line was very underrated, very tough too. Um, yeah, that was hard. <laughs> the guard uh that was a very underrated position uh to uh to to kind of figure out so uh you know it was fun i know some people thought mike Hughes should have been the kick returner but i mean you can't well he was kick returner and punt returner on the second team but like yeah man people forget how good quincy mcduffie was right (laughs) 10 what yeah like nine ten he had six touchdowns two of them by the way in one game i mean that's right you know that that's that's one of the most remarkable one of the most remarkable career. People forget how dangerous he was back there. Twenty seven point eight yard average. Phenomenal. And you guys brought it up last week about you know Mike Hughes has great numbers return wise, but you know if he's here only longer than a year, who's to say those numbers don't drop because he doesn't get as many opportunities? Right. And teams different. You know maybe kick uh, you know defend him differently. Who knows? But look, I mean Mike Hughes by the way is on the is is on the team as a cornerback punt returner and kick returner so trust me we're not disrespecting mike we're not we're actually using him and him and i think him and josh robinson are the only two players that are on multiple posi- uh, positions on this football team that's uh, correct. that's a pretty good so uh trust me where are the mike hughes fan club here i think someone someone got someone got at me and said where's otis anderson and i, I kind of get that but I can't see putting him above. Like I think Storm Johnson might be the only argument, but like that's not really an argument. I wouldn't. Storm put him was all I would be. Yeah. Was, yeah. Storm was all conference and the featured back on the Fiesta Bowl team. Um, yeah. I, People I forget how good been... he was in 2013. Yes. He was really. He, yeah, he was excellent in 2013. I mean, that was. Yeah, so, and Greg Greg McCray has been honored by the conference. He's been the more featured guy during this run. And Adrian was an all-conference player and I think is more of a signature play. Uh, you know, unfortunately, no room for Otis there. Um, maybe next decade for him. I, it's off to, now that he's coming back, I mean, that'll be good. Well, well, the rules um, are you had to have played at least one season from 2010 to 2019. So Otis is coming back, which would make him eligible for our all-decade 2020 team. So I, I'll make a bold prediction. Otis Anderson will be on the 2030, all 20, whatever, whatever this is. The all, the all decade, decade, the all 2020s team. Yeah, I'll do that. All right. Wow. Up. Old. Put this Paint in a bottle the- here. Like we'll it. be in our 40s, man. Oh. <laughs> all right. So, yeah. So, check out the, the entire teams on Black and Go Banner. I keep the feedback coming. We like the feedback. In fact, a lot of you gave back with the feedback, and we made a tweak on the roster. Thanks to you, many of you are listening, as well as Eric Henry, our friend from the show, uh, Brandon Elwig, some of the mess people at UCFSports.com, uh, Brandon Alexander. You're right. I whiffed, and I'll take responsibility. I forgot that Brandon Alexander moved to safety towards the end of his career after being a corner. I was thinking of him as a corner this whole time. That's why I didn't have it. We didn't have him on the original list, but. Once we saw, oh, yeah, he's safety. Darn right. We moved him to uh, – he's on the safety spot in the second yeah. team. So thank so. you, all of you, for the feedback. So we do listen to your feedback, so keep them coming. All right, so let's uh, wrap this thing up. Murph, you said something about 2020. Quick, quick, oh, go ahead, quick, Eric. Wait, all-decade football player. All-decade? 
Yeah, who's the de- best player all decade? Best player. Is it Mackenzie Milton, Shaquem Griffin, Blake Bortles? I think that's probably the three finalists. I'm going to go I'm going to go with Shaquem. I'm going to go with Shaquem Griffin. The arc of his career, uh, where he came from, it's kind of a microcosm of UCF in and of itself. Played all four years. Um, and by the end of his career, was the best player on the field on that side of the ball. Um, and uh, and it's not just because of the stories, because he was damn good. He was He's an excellent football player. That He's my pick. Uh, Murph, what about you? Yeah, you know, I, well, I tweeted out, Earlier this week, when there was that you know popular uh, Twitter meme going around of who's your favorite player of the decade, I tweeted out to give a Shaquem because he is my favorite player of the decade. I don't know if he's the best. I, I think it's still McKenzie's the best player because I mean a two-time conference player of the year and the 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 star at the most important position of the really the last two seasons. Uh, it's probably McKenzie over Shaquem, but I, I'll, I'll grant that it's close. Eric. Oh, man, that's tough. I mean, you can make a strong case for Griffin because I think there's a wider gap between him and who the second-best player defensively is on this decade, whereas while McKenzie's the best quarterback of this decade, you can make an argument for Blake Bortles considering he ran a pro-set offense, and I do wonder if you flip him around, would McKenzie be as successful running a pro-set offense? However, I'm going to go based on what Murph said Kenzie Milton is a two-time conference player of the year, a top 10 Heisman finalist, uh, a top 10 voting uh, Mm. finisher at the Heisman back-to-back years and, uh, you know, was undefeated in 2017 and was on his way perhaps to being undefeated before the injury. So I kind of have to go with Milton, but I do think there's a strong argument for Shaquem Griffin with the impact he made because I don't think they win that Auburn game without Shaquem Griffin. And he was a defensive player of the year in 16 and uh, was a phenomenal player. And I think we were spending a good chunk of 2018 wondering, man, this team misses Shaquem Griffin. Yeah. I mean, that's um, somebody who personified, I think, uh, for me, he's a guy who personifies what UCF is all about, what UCF football is all about. And he might overcoming be right. the he odds and, and that and, and to become great. And that's, I don't know, that's where I feel. That's what I feel about. He it. may yeah. not be the, like, to Murph's point, he may not be the football player of the decade, but he's definitely maybe – sort of like the UCF person of the decade, athlete of the decade. I mean, there are intangibles there that, that definitely gets him awarded for yeah. something, for sure, of his impact. Uh, All right. But, you know, I, feel, free I, to, uh, feel free to yell at us on Twitter and in the comments about it on our uh, all-decade teams. Um, uh, the uh, There was – never mind. There, there was one guy – I remember there was one guy on Twitter who was like, how do you guys not have um, – he mentioned two guys. He mentioned one guy who was on the on the team, and then two guys who weren't who didn't play this decade. And I was like, dude, come on, like, like we didn't. I fair, yeah. There was a Jeff Godfrey one, which Godfrey, he contrib- yeah, he's an interesting. I mean, he's kind of like Otis Anderson, right? It's kind of like uh, he, he switch he's, positions. He's not going to crack the wide receiving list, and. He's not better than Milton or Bortles, and if if we have more than two a- receivers, if we have more than two receivers, I I wouldn't mind putting him in there. I wouldn't mind putting him. Two guys in the re- receiving spot that I I wish yeah. we could have gotten in there are Rennell Hall and Jeff Godfrey. I wish we could have gotten those two guys in there. So yeah, Rennell definitely could make a case for that. You're you're yeah. right about that. So. All right, uh, Murph, you said something about 2020 that sounded important. Yeah, you speaking of receivers. <laughs> oh well, 
What's what's important about 2020 college football right now? I, I don't know. It's certainly not Georgia Baylor Sugar Bowl because that that's not important. Uh, certainly but not I, important enough to Baylor right now. But anyway, <laughs> it's apparently they don't want it enough. They weren't motivated right. to Georgia. <laughs> um, Auburn once again not motivated. What a shocker! Uh, I, I'm a I'm just doing a a, a really thin skeletal two deep depth chart that I'll put on the site on Thursday of every position. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, there's some questions that this team has to answer next year. And I, and I didn't want to go too deep on it because there, there, there were so many additions to this team and possibly subtractions as well, guys. I mean, let's be honest, the NFL draft deadline is not until January 20th. Uh, and some people might still transfer as well. So, but just looking at the roster that's coming back next year, as we know it right now, uh, I think one thing that stands out is if this team as currently constituted comes back, that back five, the nickel, the the, the nickel, uh, the nickel five that they got back there at the secondary, uh, with maybe a healthy Brandon Moore and then Tay Gowan, Richie Grant, Antoine Collier, and Aaron Robinson, I mean, arguably the best secondary I would say in UCF football history. If if Brandon, wow. if Brandon healthy yeah that I mean, we talk about how deep this team has been in the decade at corner and you yeah. look at, at, at that five that quintet of talent potential all coming back for another another year uh, uh, playing together again if brandon moore is healthy and none of those guys go to the draft which i'm not 100 sold on they wouldn't uh that is an amazing group of five that uh, that i can't wait to see play and hopefully we do and so I'm going through that with the, you know, the other positions. That'll be out on um, Wednesday. I did want to mention one one, one quick thing, that this podcast uh, has mentioned how sports movies are overrated. The Twins are signing Homer Bailey. Uh, we talked about the NFL playoffs for a while that had nothing to do with UCF. Then we talked about Tom Brady going to the Chargers, and I mentioned how Jimmy Garoppolo is overrated as well. This is why we are your home for UCF sports. Yes. What are we doing on New Year's Day there? Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, we- this is this is the lean part of the year. This hashtag by, content. Um, by the way, you think highly enough of it. I know you discussed this when we were chatting about this all decade behind the scenes. If Bam Moore, Bam Moore would have been healthy this year and had the, another great year, he could have been on this all decade team we just released too. If they wasn't for the probably. Injuries. I mean, yeah. probably. Yeah, I mean, really could. I, I mean, technically, even though Novelle, you know, has has played uh, four years. I mean, well, really two and a half kind of he's been on the team four years but really started two and a half i thought bam's been the better corner bam has been the better corner so yeah if he had another full season probably would deserve that spot yeah so we've got uh well i, mean, I don't know well, hopefully maybe he if he comes back next year he might make the 2020 team so we got right, that going on we've got uh we've also got our our got transfer portal tracker more all-decade teams coming. We're going to try and get baseball, basketball, and softball out this week, Eric. I'm going to try and do that, if not into next Woo-hoo. week. That means you um, know what that means. Next week, Murph breaks down the all-UCF baseball decade team on Talking Baseball with Murph. That's, that's right. Fine. Anything anything for me to scratch this itch right now because I got <laughs> – I, 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 need, I need a fix. I will say, I, just teasing for, for our future basketball all-decade team – I thought we had a pretty good discussion and a pretty decent debate about who should be on that team. And, and I thought there was not contention, but I, I certainly something that I disagreed with uh, that maybe I don't know if we fixed it or if we're staying well, it's with definitely uh, divided. It's divided the staff because as we're yeah. recording, there are people. Yeah, I'm not without giving away. That'd that be good. Put in more input 
that disagree with your input, Murph. It's not me. It's other people in the staff. We have a big staff, and it's you're right. That's well. I mean, I mean those people. Those people are clearly wrong. I mean, I, clearly <laughs> wrong. Wow. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That was Brian Murphy, everybody. We can we can uh, we can uh, debate that Murph bomb another time. Um, we do have our uh, we do have our football transfer tracker that's currently up right now. Um, by the way, uh, two former UCF players going to Alabama State. We found out this weekend: Quadri Jones, uh, the quarterback who has a career five seventeen passer rating at UCF. I just love that that's that in there. You love that. You um, love it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, James Collins, a redshirt freshman offensive lineman who played in only one game, he's also going to Alabama State. Malik Barrow, redshirt junior defensive lineman, announced he's moving on to Rutgers. We're still waiting on a couple other guys, and we'll uh, we'll be hearing about incoming people from the tra- from the transfer portal, uh, as well as I'm sure over as we finish up and head into the uh, new year. Uh, Eric, what do you got coming up this week? Well. I'll be helping you out with the all decade content that we'll be releasing. Um, obviously, as well, uh, I'll be covering the Magic games throughout the weekend. Is my week uh, busy there? But uh, Man, so we'll no have Jonathan that Isaac. That, that 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 one hurt today. Oh God! Uh, I didn't see it live. Thanks for the spoiler. But uh, yes, yes, he got hurt. Uh, what else is new with the Magic? So, I'll be covering Magic, but I will be helping you out all decade. Really, good, folks. And again, we want your feedback on this because you're part of this as well. Uh, if you have it, you know disagreements, feel free. That's the, what's fun about this. That's why I, I love doing this uh, project uh, because it'll bring conversation, bring feedback. And as, as Jeffrey mentioned, uh, we're going to have all decade teams uh, and other decade content uh, for the next couple of weeks there to uh, kind of you know kind of make you think and make you kind of d- discuss and agree and disagree. So that I'm looking yeah. forward to kind of helping assisting on this big project and look forward to Murph yelling at our staff that they're wrong well, <laughs> well really too i mean you know obviously jeff did the volleyball team because that that is that is that is jeff's uh that is jeff's heart really but really most of this project is a is a eric lopez joins <laughs> even even the baseball team uh he sent to me and he's i, I looked at him like that's that's about as good as i could do so <laughs> most of what you're seeing is due to eric lopez and his encyclopedic knowledge of uh, UCF athletics over the last decade. Well, er- Eric, way, I- Eric, Eric, yeah. Eric throws the first pitch, right, and yep. then the rest yep. of us we try to kind of figure it all out from there. So, um, yeah, try to give you the, uh, the 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 formation, and you guys can adjust to it as you would like. Tweak right. it uh, there. By the way, I spoke to Brandon Alexander, uh, who's a fan of the show. Uh, we're going to yeah. have him on later on in the year. Uh, so he's cool, by the way, that he's okay that, that you know, we kind of forgot to have him on in the first draft. So He's okay that we totally forgot about him. <laughs> yeah. he's, good. he's good. He's doing well for himself. Brandon, we're really it's sorry. We, ma- we, we fixed it. We fixed it. So That's the key. We adjusted it. That's right. That's so get it, we get it right. So, all right. Uh, let's wrap this thing up. Don't forget to follow us at uh, blackandgoldbanneret.com, UCF underscore banneret, facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret. You can follow us individually. Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez Elo, Spokes underscore Murphy. Don't forget to follow Luke Saris. Don't forget to follow Derek Warden, who had an amazing um, photo gallery from the bowl game, over 100 photos, all of which you would want to check out. Um, he has become the great artiste. Uh, on our staff uh, as well. Follow Jeremy Brenner, um, who I know will be busy doing a lot of Texan stuff this week. Godspeed, Jeremy. Good luck. Um, 
and uh, and and many more that we uh, and also Anthony Lenahan, uh, who will be uh, doing some uh, off-season breakdowns, which we're really looking forward to on that. So um, lots of us to uh, follow, lots to talk about as we move forward into 2020. Gentlemen, Happy New Year. And uh, to quote Barbara Walters, this is 2020. Thanks, Sherry O'Terry. <laughs> so for all of us here at Black and Gold Banneret, I'm need Jeff to watch Sharon. more movies. I do need to watch more movies. That's my that's my New Year's resolution is watch more movies. It's to it's to get myself back in there, you know, get myself in the game on movies for the first time. So I have, and then, uh, Jeff, Jeff, do you know because the Oscars are, are like a month away. By the way, you can add this to the, the UCF podcast. That I do. Um, Jeff, the Oscars are a month away. I I, I have seen I've seen thirty movies so far. I have eleven left to see until I feel like I'm comfortable with the Oscars. So I feel I feel like. If you and I can just match up, just go see 11. That's all I ask. See 11 films over the next 31, 32 days. You feel good about yourself. Okay, must they be this year's films, or can they be like, you know, ones that I haven't seen but should have? That's fine. I'll give you that. I'm, okay. I'm going to go see how things are coming out this year and, and early 2020, but you could just 11. Like, I'm watching 11, you watch 11. It's not that hard. All right, all right. Oh, wait. Adam Sandler just came out with a movie with Kevin Garnett, which you've seen, Murph. That's not a sports movie. Well, it's a count. Sport, it's a sports gambling movie. It's not really about. A, it's not really sports but just, movie. But you even said it's pretty accurate, right? To what happens. I mean, you guys no. are saying all sports movies aren't accurate. Come on. No, 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 no. They no, no. What what Jeff and I think are saying about sports movies? Again, this is the UCF podcast. We're talking about how it's the unrealistic portrayal of sports yeah. as, as sort. of the dramatic sense uncut gems which by the way if you like uh movies that are really frantic up pace things that sort of uh sort of um uh crowd your senses this is the kind of movie for you that movie though all its sports scenes are just taken from real games they just show you the archived clips of actual games that were played uh they don't they don't they don't like they don't put the the hollywood spin on real events they just show you the actual game by the way, you sports directors, you sports movie directors out there, do not have your PA guy do play-by-play like he's the radio guy. That's wrong. Okay? They don't do that. Stop oh, yeah. it. Yeah. That's a big pet peeve of mine, yeah, man. Let that's me true. tell you. Oh, my God. Anyway. I, dis- I, disagree. I disagree with both of you. Sports movies, like Roy Hobbs, that was an accurate portrayal of the Kurt Gibson home one against Dennis Eckersley in the Dodgers World Series. So I don't care what <laughs> What? That movie no. came out. Before, that movie came out oh. before. Oops. Oh, yeah. Darn. How could that? Anyway. All right, Charlie Sheen. Is, is, is that any? Like is that any bad. more? Is that yeah. any more embarrassing than me admitting that I have never seen The Natural? That's fine. I mean, it's it's, it's a fine film. It's better than Field of Dreams, which which let's be honest. Yeah, I really liked Field overrated. of Dreams. I, yeah, pretty overrated. Uh, look, Major League is good because of the comedy. I don't watch that film because I want to see good baseball scenes. I want to see funny baseball scenes, and they're executed well. But when I watch dramatic sports films that want to hold true to the source, then right. don't you, give me, right, don't Mark, give me this. I, I, just, I just thought of a project for you here. Said, all right? Yeah? This, I this, can't this, wait. This might be, you might wait till the summer. I want you to do a movie, uh, a, an article on the 2017 UCF football season and who would play who in the movie. Who's playing Scott Frost? Who's playing Mackenzie Milton? Who's playing Danny White? Huh? Oh, come on. We know who's going to play Scott Frost. That's the easy one. The guy from Friday Night Lights. What's his name? 
<laughs> that coach, oh, coach, uh, oh, I forgot his name. No, coach no, no, Jesus. Jesse, Jesse Plemons. Okay. Yeah. Like, Jesse Plemons has to play Scott Frost. There's no one else who can play Scott Frost. I'm trying to think, like, who looks like McKenzie with that sort of, like, wry, crooked smile. Oh, man. Hey, you got time this is a good about. one. All right. All right. All right. So here's – okay, this is the last thing. All right. Fans. This podcast, this podcast is completely see, Yeah, we've right. gone way off, off the rails, rails here in the last – yeah. here, here with, like, with, like – this, this is our fault for trying to do a show on New Year's night. Uh, we should have yeah. thought better of it. But, With two uh, seconds left on the shot clock. Um, uh, <laughs> listen, we're doing. A, if you do a movie about 2017 UCF football, send us your actors and actresses who would be on the cast. All right, and send it to us at UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter. There you um, go. That and and we will evaluate this. And Murph, I think you and I will 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 work on this. We'll work on this for next week. How about that? Yeah, that, no, I'm I'm all about it. Like I, I'm in on. Oh, oh, I just saw it. How about how about Tom Holland, the new spy? Well, not the new Spider-Man, but he's Spider-Man. Tom Holland is Mackenzie Milton. That actually works because he's like fresh-faced. Yeah, he could definitely do that. I'm so into uh, this right now. Ah, uh, aren't you happy I brought this up there? You got a project I'm here, right? So there. geeky about this right now. This should actually, you could even write this right leading up to Oscars week. I could. This could be right up. This could be right up there when we did the WrestleMania feature with Greg Lovelady. This could be right up there all time. This right could. Here. I actually like this a lot. Are we gonna put, Michael? Are, are, are we gonna do? Are we gonna put Keenan Thompson as 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 Jordan Johnson? Ooh, that, that's interesting. I mean, Keenan not really known as a as a big time silver screen actor, but but no, but known for comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd add that sort of jovial moments to the film there. Uh, I don't know, Shaquem, like, like, uh, you could, like, I mean, you would, you would need some, you would need like, like maybe like a Michael B. Jordan. Uh, no, I, Michael I, B. Jordan's gonna be Adrian Killens, I think. See, aren't you loving? See, and I got another movie pitch for you. I'm just gonna pitch pitch movies here. You see, have themes I'm, here. We're gonna, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm literally sweating. <laughs> Um, I'm You're gonna love this one, Murph. You're gonna love this one because you were at this game. UCF Duke. This could be like Hoosiers, except instead of Hoosiers, it's Knights. Uh, uh, except they uh, lose at the end. Oh, that's up to Murph. He wants to change the script or not. He can he can produce this. But that could be the other one. UCF basketball against Duke. Who's Taco Fall? Who's BJ Taylor? We could play some movies here. This could be the new version of Hoosiers, except it's called. You can't have anybody. You can't have. See, that's hard because you really can't have anybody play Taco Fall without being really patronizing. Uh, that's really difficult. Like, obviously, obviously, guys, obviously, Don Cheadle is Johnny Doc. Uh, like, yeah. That's not even a question. That's Don't a spoil dumb. everything. Don't, spoil, don't give away all your content here, Murph. This is right now. I'm telling you, on Oscars week, this is what you're going to put out on Black and Gold Banneret. I've just okay. gave you, I've given you so much material here. It's unbelievable. I should, you mm-hmm. should thank me here. This is Oscars week content right here. Movies, Murph breaking down UCF theme movies. And if you all have other movie ideas for UCF themes, we're all about it. Clearly. Yeah. I'm in. I'm yeah, in. I like this a lot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna think about this. Then I'm going to get drunk and see cats, and I'll come back and work on it some more. There yeah, you go. From what I hear, you better get really drunk. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs>
All right, let's pull it back on the rails only to bring it back into the station. For Brian and Eric, I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We'll catch you next week. Happy New Year, everybody.